Today on the Matt Wall Show, another man involved with Drag Queen Story Hour has turned out to be a suspected pedophile. This should not surprise us at all. We'll talk about why. Also, five headlines, including the father who was sent to jail for calling his daughter a she. Also, a man is a step closer to being crowned Miss USA. That's exciting. And the Teen Vogue editor who is now canceled for offensive tweets that she sent out a decade ago. Nobody is safe anymore. And our daily cancellation will deal with the women's uh, NCAA basketball players who are complaining that they aren't being treated as equal to the male players. But should they be treated as equal? We'll talk about that and a lot more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Welcome again to the show. Remember, if you're listening to us on iTunes right now, make sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to smash that like button, jab that notification bell, annihilate that subscribe button. If you're having our transcripts delivered to you on, um, you know, a, a carrier pigeon or horseback messenger, make sure again to subscribe, however you subscribe to that. And I will continue to harass you with these demands until I am rich and famous beyond my wildest dreams. Now, we begin with an entirely unsurprising story, but one that is no less worthy of our attention. The Daily Wire uh, has the news here. It says a Wisconsin children's court judge who previously headed up an LGBTQ organization that fundraised for Drag Queen Story Hour, among other programs, was arrested t- Tuesday on tentative charges of possession of child pornography. Brett Blom was taken into custody by special agents with the State Division of, uh, this is according to the Milwaukee Sentinel, by the way, the State Division of Criminal Investigation following an investigation into multiple uploads of child pornography through a kick messaging application account in October, November 2020. The Wisconsin Department of Justice reportedly began an investigation into Blom after receiving a tip through the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, according to the complaint, which also alleges that Blom shared child pornography with other kick users through private chats and messaging groups on 27 separate occasions. This is a judge also acting this way. The complaint lists descriptions of uh, the videos, which are both graphic and disturbing. Some of the videos involve toddlers and other very young children. Blom, the Journal Sentinel reports, was elected to the court in the spring of 2020, defeating incumbent Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Paul Dedinsky. Um, In that contest, the state Democratic Party donated more than $10,000 to Blom's campaign. Blom offered himself as the progressive alternative to Dedinsky, Before then, Blom served on the city's Board of Zoning Appeals and also as the full-time head of the Cream City Foundation, an LGBTQ activist organization that promoted Drag Queen Story Hour in Milwaukee. Drag Queen Story Hour is just what it sounds like, drag queens reading stories to children in libraries, schools, and bookstores. That, according to the Cream City Foundation website, which promoted the events in 2019, they also said that Drag Queen Story Hour captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. All right, so that's the story there. There are so many disturbing aspects to it, um, not the least of which is the name of this organization, which has dedicated itself to bringing cross-dressers and children together, Cream City Foundation. I'm not going to speculate on that at all. Beyond that, The very idea of Drag Queen Story Hour is itself disturbing in a deep and visceral way. But as I said, it's not surprising to find a child predator associated with it. It's also not the first time that such a discovery has been made. In just the city of Houston alone, two registered sex offenders were found to have been reading stories to children while dressed in drag as part of Drag Queen Story Hours in the same year. That was in 2019. Other drag queens you know, may not have been registered as sex offenders as far as we know, but their behavior raises serious questions nonetheless. Behavior such as 
the drag queen who goes by the name Sasha Soda and who wore a mini skirt which uh, exposed his crotch as he read to children, or behavior like the drag queen at a different story hour who laid on the floor and let children lay on top of him. And there's photographs of that. Or behavior like this. Watch. This funny little dances from Fortnite. Does anybody know any of the dances from Fortnite? Oh, then you are a credit to your community. <laughs> but most of all, Michael likes to twerk. Now, does anybody in this room know how to twerk? Okay, but it's quite important to the story, so I will just give you a very quick demonstration. <laughs> All you need to do is you just stand with your feet sort of shoulder width apart, like so. Okay, and I'll, sh I'll show you at the side so you can get better view. There we go. And you, you crouch down into this sort of position here, so your thumb sticking out. Don't be taking this all in. <laughs> and then you just move your thumb up and down like that, and that's twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if there was ever a time for a literal pitchfork mob to show up, it's when a drag queen is giving twerking demonstrations to a room full of five-year-olds. Instead, the adults sit and laugh and enjoy themselves, even the fathers. And I use that term loosely. But this is the kind of behavior that, you know, may have been a warning to us. Or how about behavior such as uh, dressing in drag and reading to kids? You know, just that alone. Even without the added bits of pedophilic degeneracy, the very act of a man putting on women's clothes in order to go and read or speak to children, that itself raises serious questions. Questions like, what possible good reason could there be for this? What possible justification could there be? Is there a, conceivably a valid reason for a man to say to himself, hmm, you know, I'm reading to children at the library today. Better go throw on my mini skirt and padded bra. The answer to all these questions is obviously no. Not only no, but hell no. Not only no, but uh, or hell no, but call the cops. This should be illegal. Drag queen story hours are and have always been a transparent, in-your-face effort to groom and sexualize children. They're not even hiding it, clearly. I mean, that's why these programs exist. That's the goal of everyone involved with them. There's no other conceivable point or purpose. You heard it in the Cream City Foundation's uh, description of Drag Queen Story Hour. They're trying to, you know, encourage gender fluidity play. Now, drag is, is essentially burlesque, but with men. Not essentially, that's what it is. If it was a female burlesque performer, all, all dolled up, hired to come and read to children as part of a burlesque story hour program, think about that, burlesque story hour. If that was the case, then everyone would agree that it's completely insane and inappropriate. Though in the age of WAP, perhaps we wouldn't even agree on that anymore. I don't know. We should be able to agree at least that there are many good reasons to read books to children, but there can't be any good reason to hire a burlesque performer to do it. The only reason to bring her in for the job would be to try to normalize burlesque to kids, make it seem appealing, desensitize them to it, otherwise known as sexualizing them. It's no different, no better, certainly no better, when the performer is a man. So then, why is Drag Queen Story Hour a matter of controversy, even on the right? You know, what's the controversy over? Should there not be universal condemnation of it, at least among conservatives? We know that the left has lost its mind and its soul a long time ago, but why are even people on the right reluctant to criticize this kind of thing? Or at least reluctant to admit that it's 
a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal when this is going on all across the country. This is widespread all across the country. How the hell is this happening in our country? Why are there so many conservatives that, that, that won't admit that or don't want to talk about it? Well, because they've been so beaten into submission, so cowed, so tamed and domesticated by our cultural overlords that they think it's bigotry to criticize anything that the LGBT lobby does or is associated with or supports. Now, they don't like it. They wouldn't bring their kids to it, I hope. They'd probably prefer if this stuff doesn't exist, but they don't want to say that too loudly for fear that words ending in ism and phobia will be tossed at them. Well, let me be the first to say, I absolutely have a phobia about children being abused and sexualized. I have a phobia about that. I do. I'm bigoted against it. I discriminate against it. I hate it. This is my hate speech targeted at it. Hate is not always a bad thing. It's often a good thing, in fact. Hate can be a good thing, very good thing, necessary. Hate is, is a necessary part of love. If you love something or someone, you're going to hate anything that harms that person or that thing. And hate is especially important in a culture full of so many things worthy of our hate. Drag Queen Story Hour is certainly one of those things. And we just cannot be afraid to say it. Let's get now to our five headlines. Before we get into our five headlines here, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MyBookie. You know, it's, it's, I think it's great. There's so much in the world right now that might stress you out. It certainly stresses me out. It's good sometimes to unplug a little bit from news and politics and focus on something that's fun. Only fun. Fun for fun's sake. And that's what my book is all about. March is here and madness has officially begun. A different kind of madness, a good kind of madness. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the my bookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes. And it's only a dollar to enter. That's all you got to pay. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. My bookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code Walsh to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code Walsh to claim your first deposit bonus. You don't want to miss out on this. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting and with choices from thousands of lines and odds. You can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Well, you know, I'm um, not much into body shaming. I'm a little bit into it. But not much. But anyway, Bill de Blasio got the vaccine yesterday and um, he put out, we got the picture up here on the, he, you got to see this, this, he put out the picture of himself getting the shot and you, you can see it there. And I mean, my God, those arms, can I even call those withered things arms? He, he's literally built like Gumby. He looks like a stick figure my four-year-old might draw. He looks like he stole a nine-year-old boy's leg and used it as a prosthetic arm. I mean, he, he, he looks like if, 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 if uh, Elmo had gigantism disease. His arms are like pool noodles covered in skin. I have, I have actually seen better muscle definition on an infant. And my point is, this is why I'm bringing this up. Uh, because those are, some, those are some weak-ass arms. But this guy was defying his own COVID restrictions to go to the gym. Like everyone else in New York wasn't allowed to go. He had the gyms all to himself. 
And you'd expect at the least he would come out looking kind of buff after that. But what was he doing in there? Lifting weights by proxy? Was, did he hire some guy to lift weights for him and he hoped that he would sort of uh, inherit the gains through osmosis? Good Lord. And this only you know, proves my point um, that there, there's a story that came out last night about Andrew Cuomo. And this is another, supposed to be another controversy about Andrew Cuomo. And it's supposed to tell us, I think it's supposed to make us hate Andrew Cuomo even more. But it has the opposite effect for me. Apparently, according to reports now, um, another scandal is that Andrew Cuomo at his house during a, a party or something, he had a dartboard with uh, Bill de Blasio's face on it. And they were taking turns throwing darts at Bill de Blasio's face. And I have to say, maybe Andrew Cuomo isn't so bad after all, based on that. Um, on, in other vaccination news, that was all just a long way for me to, to roast Bill de Blasio for having weak arms. That's because, you know what, that's the one thing on a man. You know, it, that, that, that is the, I will judge you on that as, as a man, especially if you're Bill de Blasio. Okay. Other vaccination news. Dr. Sanjay Gupta had some bad news on CNN. He says that the virus, um, it might learn how to sidestep the vaccine, which means that you still have to wear a mask. And I guess it means that you have to wear masks forever because the, vac- because the, the, the virus is going to get around the vaccine. And it's also going to get around your first mask, which is why you need a second one. But here's what the good doctor had to say. If somebody has gotten both vaccines uh, for Moderna and Pfizer or just the one for J&J and two weeks have passed, why does that person need to wear a mask if they go in public? Well, you know, if, if the um, if you look at the science overall, you, you, you know, you have to sort of determine what level of evidence are you, you willing to sort of, you know, make these decisions on? It makes a lot of sense, I think, that if it's just the, the wild type virus that's circulating, the one that we've been talking about for the last year, you take the vaccine, it should reduce the viral load that you could potentially carry, make it unlikely that you're infected and even less likely that you could transmit it to others. But I think there's two points that keep coming up. One is that there's still a lot of virus out there. So, you know, when you have that much virus out there, could you still actually be exposed and even though it's unlikely, become an inadvertent carrier? But the other, and, and, and at some point when we get to low enough level, which is a few thousand cases per day, not several, you know, not 40 or 50,000 cases per day, you could say at that point, the likelihood of someone being exposed is so small, we could start to not worry about masks. There's another point, just quickly, Jake, people who are vaccinated, they get exposed to the virus. The virus learns then how to sort of adapt and mutate now to a vaccinated person. So in some ways, by exposing vaccinated people to the virus, you, you could start to inspire more and more mutations, which is something you don't want to do. Okay, so what? So don't get the vaccine then. They don't bother getting it. What? What? What is the message supposed to be? They are really trying to. I. They, it's like they really are trying to discourage people from getting the vaccine. If you're if you're anti-vax, this supposedly is a pro-vax person, and on CNN they don't like the anti-vax crowd. But you couldn't ask for a more effective and compelling and convincing anti-vax message than even if you get it, your life's not going to change. Why bother in that case? And that, and that raises a lot of questions. Why are they trying to, why are they actually trying to discourage people from, from getting the vaccine? Because what you're hearing there is, is 
simply nonsense. We, I don't think we have the clip, but uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, grilled Fauci yesterday in a hearing. And Rand Paul is great at, at this. You know, he was he was grilling um, the, uh, the the former health secretary of Pennsylvania, the trans person about about uh, we, we played that clip a couple weeks ago, grilling on on the issue of um, the trans indoctrination of kids and kids being drugged and mutilated. So, oh, we do have the clip. Do we have it? Okay, okay. Well, here here's Rand Paul um, talking to Fauci about the masks and vaccines and actually bringing some real science and some real facts to the foreground. Let's listen. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. We don't have a death in the United States. You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild-type versus variants. And what, now, proof reinf- is there, what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants? None in our country. Zero. Well, because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet. We're having one. Can I finish? We're well, having one one seven that's becoming more dominant policy based on conjecture. Yeah, it's, this see, this is this is a scientific line of question. And this goes on for a lot longer than that. If you haven't watched the full exchange, it's really worth doing. And, I, and that's what Rand Paul's great at this. I like Rand Paul a lot. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't get really any traction when he runs for president. I think he should get a lot more traction than he does. I don't agree with a lot of what he says because he's more, a lot more libertarian than I am. But, uh, in, in, with this kind of thing, he's very good at this. And, um, but this is a scientific line of questioning, which is what, what's the evidence? We don't want to hear maybe it could be this, it could be that. That's not enough. We shut down society based on maybes and could bes, and let's shut down society and uh, we'll shut it down for a year to be safe, you know, better safe than sorry, and then we'll wait for the evidence to come in. So we're going to shut down ahead of time and then wait to see if there was any reason to have shut down in the first place. That was the strategy from the very beginning. Fauci want to continue wants to continue doing that. Because he he's doesn't understand or doesn't or just does not care about the human cost of lockdown, shutting down schools, all of that. Just doesn't care. He's not affected by it. He's doing great. He's getting paid a lot of money. It's probably the best year of his life this past year. And so all the other human suffering means nothing to him. So it's very easy for him to say, well, yeah, we'll keep the measures in place and we'll see. Check back in a year. Get some more studies in there. Rand Paul's point is there's no evidence to support this. Telling people to wear masks or to stay socially distanced after the vaccine. What is the evidence to support you saying that? Answer, well, we don't have any. There could be some out there somewhere, but we haven't found it yet. All right, well, then we're going to simply ignore you. All right, number two um, from the Daily Wire says, On Tuesday, the father of a biological girl who believes she's a boy turned himself into a Canadian court and was subsequently taken to jail after the Attorney General of British Columbia issued an arrest warrant for contempt after the father had insisted on referring to his daughter as his daughter and used the pronouns she and her. God forbid. Robert Hoogland from um, Surrey, British Columbia, has a 14-year-old daughter. In February 2019, the Supreme Court of British Columbia 
ordered that the girl receive testosterone injections without obtaining parental consent. 14 years old. This is four years before this, this child is considered an adult, able to make adult decisions. 14, certainly under the age of consent, anywhere in the Western world, as far as I know. Can't consent to, at 14, by the law, you can't consent to like anything without, without your parent involved, except this. Except um, injecting foreign chemicals into your body to try to change your body in, in profound and permanent ways. The, the long-lasting permanent side effects of which we, we don't even fully know yet. Um, so it says, Canada ordered that the girl receive testosterone injections without obtaining parental consent. The Federalist notes that the court also declared that if either of her parents referred to her using female pronouns or addressed her by her birth name, they would be considered guilty of family violence. Canada has lost its mind completely. Well, the entire Western world has, but Canada is a little bit, there's a few train cars up ahead of us on the crazy train. When she was in seventh grade, the girl's uh, school urged the girl to see psychologist Dr. Wallace Wong, who recommended the girl should begin taking cross-sex hormones at 13. Hoogland cited his daughter's alleged history of mental health issues and refused to give permission. Doctors at uh, BC Children's Hospital decided that the girl should receive testosterone injections. And, um, and now, fast forward a little bit, legally, he's not even allowed to refer to his, his own daughter as a daughter, as a girl. He's arrested for that. And if you're living south of the Canadian border, you're living in America, and you think, they're crazy up there, that's never going to happen here. Oh, it'll happen here. That, this, this is happening here. This will happen. They've already laid the groundwork for it. Lay the groundwork first through the rejection of biological science, the rejection of objective uh, reality and morality. And then by saying that it's, you know, it's, it's hateful to use biologically correct pronouns when referring to someone. It's an act of hate. Well, if that's the case, then it's, a, it's, o- it's only so long before they say, well, there need to be laws in place to protect, you know, gender-confused people from hearing the correct biological pronouns. And this, this again, shows why it is so important for us to, to not go along with this. It is not a small issue. The gender stuff in general, as you know, I believe and have always said, not at all a small issue. This is a central issue in the culture. Uh, But uh, the pronoun piece of that, it's very, very important. That is a hill worth dying on. Now, you don't even have to die because I've been fighting on that hill for a long time and I'm still kicking. But that's a hill worth defending. Once you go along with that, it's over. And there are more and more, again, more and more people on the right who, who even... You know, suppose right-wing media publications, you see this more and more that start using the preferred pronouns in their articles and that sort of thing. No, this, this is a matter of reality. I'm not going to go along with a lie. I won't do it. I can't. Morally, I can't. That's the stance we all have to take. It's not, 
You're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. You're not being aggressive about it. No, something is being demanded of you. You're not doing this. I'm not doing it. I didn't choose to have this discussion. I'm, I'm going about my life, going about my day, using correct, normal language. And now I'm being told that I have to use language that does not signify what I'm actually trying to convey. So something is being asked of me that is unreasonable. All I'm doing is saying, no, I can't go along with that unreasonable demand. Number three, here's uh, some big news. A man has just won a female beauty pageant and one step closer now to being crowned Miss USA, uh, which is also something that will happen. Here's a local news report about this. Let's watch. It's a first for one major local beauty pageant. A transgender person is now the reigning queen. Kim Passoff spoke with her, and Kim, she won the Miss Silver State. That's the biggest preliminary competition for the Miss Nevada USA pageant. Yeah, that's right, John. Cataluna Enriquez, who is transgender, has won transgender pageants before, and she's entered cisgender competitions, but this is a monumental win. She will now compete for Miss Nevada USA, the state pageant leading to Miss USA and Miss Universe, pageants that were once owned by Donald Trump and two of the most coveted crowns in the pageant world. The Silver State USA is this Cataluna Cataluna Enriquez loves almost everything about pageants, the glitz, the glamour, and now her new crown. From a pageant that not only welcomed her, but embraced her. The Silver State competition was a great experience to me. It was honestly a celebration of womanhood and diversity and this celebration of being your true self. So there you go. Big achievement, we're told. A celebration of the true self, which is exactly, is exactly what it isn't. It's the, the opposite of that. And then you have the, the women who you see there, they have, they have to pretend not only is this title being taken away from a woman and given to a male, um, but the women have to pretend to be excited about it. You know, it's not, if, if, you're, if you're a woman, it's, it's not enough. You can't, you can't merely go along with it. You have to be excited about it. A man takes the beauty pageant crown, and we're, you know, it'll happen this year or next year. We're very close to a man being crowned Miss USA. All, all the major beauty pageants are going to go to men. Um, men have already won Women of the Year and all that kind of stuff. So that, that, that's going to happen. But if you're a woman, you have to be excited about it. So they take that, they, they'll come into the locker room, take the, the you know, all the athletic achievements. Now, you can't only stand there and allow it to happen. That's the first step. But the next step is you have to smile. You better have a smile on your face and you better be applauding when all this is taken from you. That's the message from the, you know, woman supporting left. Where they care, they care so deeply about women's rights. Of course. The people that are demanding this of you as a woman, remember, the people demanding this, they care deeply about you as a woman and your rights. They care so much about it. All right, from uh, if number four from ET Online, it says Angelina Jolie claims she has proof of alleged domestic violence against Brad Pitt. New court records reveal and new court documents that were filed under seal on March 12th. The actress alleges that she's prepared to offer proof and authority against Pitt regarding her claim of domestic violence 
during her upcoming divorce trial. Why did I choose this story to read about Angelina Pitt or Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and their divorce, their divorce uh, trial? I'm, I'm not sure why I chose that one. We're going to move on. Uh, okay, number five. Here's one that I do care about. Alexi McCammon has stepped down. This is from Newsweek. Has stepped down from her newly appointed position as editor of Teen Vogue after several Condé Nast um, staff members complained about offensive tweets that recently resurfaced. Love them when those tweets resurface. Resurface always means as if they bubbled up to the surface on their own, you know? No, so, someone went and dug for them and brought them, brought them to the surface through a willful act. She was due to start as editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue on March 24th. And now she has stepped down. Now, these are tweets, Alexi McCammon's tweets that are so offensive. These are tweets from 2011. And she was, how old was she? She was 17 years old when she sent these tweets out in high school. And now as a 27, 28-year-old woman, she's being punished for that. She lost her job. Um, what were those tweets? So let's see. In 2011, when she was 17, McCann, uh, McCammon tweeted, uh, first, she tweeted, outdone by an Asian, hashtag, what's new? I guess she meant in school, so she was outdone by an Asian. I'm not exactly sure what that refers to. And she also tweeted, now Googling how to not wake up with swollen Asian eyes. And then a third tweet that was so offensive when she sent it out at the age of 17, she has to be fired for it. Third tweet said, give me a two out of 10 on my chem problem. Cross out all of my work and don't explain what I did wrong. Thanks a lot, stupid Asian teaching assistant. You're great. And then some of her old tweets used slurs for gay people as well. She's apologized for this multiple times. Uh, they, they first, quote unquote, resurfaced in 2019. She apologized for them then. Uh, and then when she was offered this job at Teen Vogue, pre prestigious publication, she was forthright about the fact that these tweets are out there. And she apologized when applying, apparently. Uh, and then when they came out again a couple weeks ago, she once again apologized. So she's just been apologizing nonstop for these basically innocuous tweets she sent when she was 17. And she still gets fired for it. Now, this is a very this is this is a difficult thing as a conservative when you see this kind of story. Because this is a this is a, a leftist journalist, someone who's very much a part of the cancel culture. Someone who, you know, if this were happening to me, there's no way she would come to my defense. If it were happening to you, she, Alexi McCannon is, McCannon is not coming to your defense. She will be part of the pitchfork mob trying to destroy you. She's going to be part of the cancel mob. She'll join in with them. So are you going to defend someone who doesn't defend you? What's more, when someone who is part of creating this mob, has the mob turn around on them, are you going to step into the middle of it and say, no, not her? When she's forced to take a, a dose of her own medicine, are you going to try to knock it out of her hand to protect her? No, I mean, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to waste my time defending her for those reasons. Also for the reason that she apologized. It, it would be more difficult for me to decide whether to defend her or not if she had not apologized. But as you know, my policy is, I don't care if you're on the right or left. If you're getting canceled for something and you apologize, there's nothing I can do for you. I don't think there's anything anyone can do for you. There's nothing anyone else can do for you. If you're not going to defend yourself, 
And if you're going to admit guilt, basically, and and cave to the mob, then what? What? I'm not going to defend someone who isn't even going to bother. I'm not going to put more effort into defending someone than they will put into defending themselves. Unless we're talking about a child or some true innocent victim who's not capable of defending themselves. But she is not a child. So many reasons why, why the, the, not really worthy of defense here. And yet, so we put that to the side. Um, but at the same time, we can acknowledge that this is completely crazy. You know, 17 years old, 10 years ago? Is, is there anyone who would dare step up to the plate and claim that when they were teenagers, they never said anything that would be considered objectionable to people today or even people back then when you were a teenager? Is there anyone who would dare? Now, if you, if you were lucky enough, if you were fortunate enough to be a teenager before social media existed, or at least before it was as ubiquitous as it is now, then thank your lucky stars for that. Thank God for that. I mean, really thank God for that. Just because it wasn't documented, don't pretend that, it, that you never said it. That you never said anything objectionable when you were a teenager. Really, in a, in a sane country, which we don't live in a sane country, but if we lived in a sane country, we would, um, we would all agree that certainly anything you said, you, you, get, you get a free, as an adult, you get a free pass for pretty much anything you said as a teenager. Because you were a teenager. And I would extend it further than that. I would say... I mean, really, 25 and younger, your, your brain isn't even fully developed until you're 25. This is one of the reasons why I think we should move the voting age, and we should move a lot of these ages up to past 25 for that reason. I mean, you're, you're quite literally not all with it yet. Uh, you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't have your full capacity to be the mature, discerning adult that hopefully you, you eventually turned into. And also, as adults, like, you know, I, I think maybe we could even extend it further than that and say, if you're in your 20s or 30s, um, 10 years ago, may, you may as well be a lifetime. May as well have been a different person 10 years ago. Because you grow and change and evolve so rapidly during that time. Now, like the difference between a 45-year-old and a 55-year-old is not that great. Difference between 55 and 65, not that significant. The difference between 35 and 25 is enormous. Enormous. Even more significant probably than the difference between 25 and 15. If if you are a growing and maturing person, I mean, it should be an enormous difference. So a sane country would recognize that, acknowledge that, and say, look, this was so long ago, this is a different person. Who cares? Really, who cares? And, and in general, there should be a statute of limitations. There should be a statute of limitation on taking offense at something, I believe. No matter the age of the person or how long ago it was. If someone said something and you weren't bothered by it at the time when it was said, you don't get to circle back around a year later or five years later or 10 years or 20 years later and say, you know what, actually, I'm offended by that. You don't get to do that. Now, you could say, well, I wasn't aware of it when it was said originally. Okay, then no harm, no foul. You survived. This offensive thing was said. You didn't even know about it. You were living your life totally unencumbered by it. That's even less reason for you to take offense now. 
So those are all, those are all, I think, important points to make. And again, in a sane country, that's how we would look at these things. With that said, as far as Alexa McCammon goes, she, she did bring this on herself by being a part of this mob, and now it turns on her. And she is a, she is a black woman. She is a left-wing black woman. And even like a year ago, that would have been enough to inoculate her from this. But that's not the case anymore. Nobody is safe now. Nobody is safe. And people like Lexi McCannon, they're part of the reason why nobody is safe. Okay, let's go now to reading the YouTube comments. We've got a couple here. Dr. Jones, I don't know if he's a real doctor, says, Matt, I'm not sure if you'd know this, but I think Ben used your set for his show today. Just letting you know, because I feel like that's something that would annoy you. Hashtag justice for Matt. Well, I, I will say... Uh, you know, yes, yes. How dare Ben use my side? I know that he used it. Didn't ask my permission. So how dare he? I, I could almost tolerate it, if not for the fact that um, when I sat down for my, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't even know if you could see it on my desk anymore, but I have my fake Daily Wire family. My two, my two pictures of the, the, the Daily, the, my assigned friends and family from the Daily Wire that was put on my desk when I first started here. But when I sat down, this picture was gone. And this is the picture of the guy and a girl on a tandem bicycle. And it's a very important picture to me. And when I sat down, it was, it was nowhere to be found. I guess Ben found that this photograph of my assigned friends so offensive that he put it somewhere. It disappeared. And, but now it has reappeared. So uh, Cameron says, totally agree with not using abbreviations. The other day, my coworker said WTF, at which I told him that if he just said the actual words, it would be less syllables, which he had not considered yeah, it's bad enough when people abbreviate things by putting in the, the E sound at the end, as we've talked about. Using internet abbreviations is really reprehensible. Now, I will conf- I don't know why I'm confessing this, but I believe in full transparency, and I'm an honest person. I did a few days ago find myself actually saying to someone in conversation, BTW, and, uh, and I, I hated my- I, it, it. It came out of my mouth. I don't know how it came out, and I said it. And I immediately hated myself. I would, if there was a window, I would have jumped out of it, um, like a like a to, to preserve my own honor. So I'll admit that. But even so, everyone else who does it deserves to be canceled. Um, Dog-faced pony soldier says, Matt, who do you feel is a worse person, Cardi B or Meghan Markle? That's a good question. I don't think there's any way to rank them. Uh, that's, that's impossible. That, that really is splitting hairs. And finally, Egg Sandwich, now there's a great name, says, cat should be inside, Matt. Well, you see, this, this, this is really why punctuation is so important. Uh, so important, because I think what they're saying is, cat should be inside, comma, Matt, addressing me. But there's no comma, so instead it says, cat should be inside, Matt. And I have no further comment on, on that whatsoever, aside from remember your commas, people. Listen, you spend a lot of time on the internet. We all do. It just makes no sense for you not to secure yourself. Why, why, what are you doing? What kind of choices are you making with your life? You got you to gotta make sure you're protecting yourself uh, and offering yourself some protection from those bad actors out there, especially now the IRS issued an urgent warning about a new scam to steal the electronic filing identification numbers from tax professionals over email. Cyber criminals can use this information to file fraudulent tax returns. Tax professionals should be aware of the latest phishing scam, but individuals should also take steps to protect themselves. Tax season is stressful enough. You don't want to add identity theft on top of it. It's important to understand how cyber criminals 
and cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives every day. We put ourselves and our information at risk on the Internet. In an instant, a cyber criminal could harm what's yours, your finances, your credit, so many other things. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like if your social security number is for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information is compromised, then they'll send you an alert. And if something does happen, God forbid, they also have identity theft restoration specialists that are there to help you out. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by going to lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh to save 25% off. And, you know, the wait is finally over. After inviting her to join the Daily Wire on election night, the one and only Candace Owens is joining our team finally with her new show, Candace. You may have heard of Candace when she uh, slammed Harry Styles on Twitter for wearing a dress by saying, bring back manly men. You may have heard of her uh, through Kanye West when he said that she he, he likes the way she thinks or Heard of, heard of her recently with, with the, the stuff with Cardi B. She's always got everyone talking. And every week, Candace is going to keep that going. She's going to talk about uh, politics, news, and the hottest trends. You can come see why the left doesn't want Candace to have a platform. She's opinion, opinionated and authentic. Premiering today, March 19th, Candace will be exclusive to Daily Wire members. If you aren't a member yet, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Candace for 25% off. Love her or hate her, you won't want to miss it. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. Let's get now to our daily cancellation. Today, we're going to cancel the women's NCAA March Madness tournament. Now, I know what you're thinking. There's a women's March Madness tournament? Yes, I had the exact same thought when I was made aware of the sexism controversy surrounding the women's tournament and the accommodations that the female athletes are receiving in comparison to the men. So here's the, the USA Today. Here's USA Today with news on the controversy. It says the NCAA acknowledges the discrepancy in amenities between the men's and women's basketball tournament on Thursday after images posted to social media drew significant backlash. Pictures surfaced Thursday showing the stark differences in gifts that were presented to women's basketball players compared to men's. Stanford sports performance coach Ali Kirshner posted photos of the facilities inside the Indianapolis bubble compared to the San Antonio bubble. WNBA star Sabrina Ayunsku, uh, a uh, big, big fan of hers, Last, year, last year's National Player of the Year in NCAA women's basketball fumed over a poor display in the weight room, tweeting, quote, women's NCAA bubble weight room versus men's weight room thought this was a joke. WTF, what is this? To all the women playing in the March Madness tournament, keep grinding. The picture showed the plentiful options in an Indianapolis weight room compared to a small rack of dumbbells in San Antonio. Aja Wilson, who plays for the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA, another player that I am not only aware of, but a huge fan of, tweeted, the weight room situation is beyond disrespectful. Then Sedona Price, who plays for Oregon, posted a TikTok calling out the disparity between amenities, writing in her caption, it's 2021 and we are still fighting for bits and pieces of equality. Okay, now the NCAA, the NCAA, there we go, has apologized and pledged to fix the problem. But to give you the visual, if you're watching on the Daily Wire YouTube right now, here is Sedona Price with her TikTok video complaining about this discrepancy in the way that the men and women are being treated. Let's watch it. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Let me show y'all the men's weight room.
Now, when pictures of our weight room got released versus the men's, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that it wasn't money, it was space that was a problem. Let me show y'all something else. Here's our practice court, right? And then here's that weight room. And then here's all this extra space. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. Well, then I guess I'm a part of it. Because I'm not that upset, I have to say. It's not on my top 20 list of concerns in my life right now. Is that the women NCAA players don't have enough weights in the weight room? See, it's one thing if you simply asked for better equipment. You know, that, that's fair. I won't begrudge you that. I have to admit, the first time I saw that video, uh, and, and I'll, I'll admit this myself, the first time I saw that video and I saw the women's weight, weight room set, uh, I did burst out laughing hysterically. I can't help it. Don't, don't blame me. The problem is that it's just extremely funny to me. But I can understand why the ladies might want a bit more to work with than a rack of five-pound dumbbells. At least get some 10-pounders on there, for God's sake, and, and, and a couple of yoga mats. The problem, though, is when you lecture me that I need to be upset about women basketball players not having all the exercise equipment they want, and you tell me that I'm a part of some greater societal problem, and you demand equality. See, that's where the problem comes in. And I'll tell you why that's a problem. There is no equality between men's and women's sports, especially men's and women's basketball. The equality doesn't exist. Any effort to make them equal or to treat them equally is absurd. Here's a simple fact. The men's NCAA tournament generates billions and billions of dollars. The women's tournament, according to the Wall Street Journal, doesn't turn a profit. It loses money. So you have on one hand a sport that makes billions, on the other a sport that makes nothing, actually earns negative. It has to be propped up, kept afloat, put on artificial life support. Men's basketball keeps women's basketball in existence. The very existence of women's basketball is a favor that men's basketball is doing for it because it can't survive on its own. Again, that's just a fact. To give you one isolated example, Ohio State, the men's program earns over 10 times as much revenue from ticket sales as the women. And that's only ticket sales, 10 times as much. Now, why is that? Why does men's basketball, both on the collegiate and professional level, completely trounce women's basketball in revenue? Well, because nobody cares about women's basketball. Nobody watches it. Nobody goes to the games. Almost nobody anyway. And what this means is that the vast majority of the people pretending to be upset about the unequal treatment of female athletes also themselves do not watch the women's games or have any real interest in them. So they're standing off to the side basically saying, yeah, you know, I don't give a damn about this. I think it's boring as hell. But uh, sure, yeah, it's an outrage if this thing I don't care about and that nobody else seems to care about isn't treated the same as the thing I do care about that everybody else cares about. It's absurd. See, I would have a lot more respect for Sedona here if she had said, listen, I know we aren't as important as the men's side, and I know that the men are keeping us in business, um, and, I, and I, I really appreciate that, by the way. Thanks, guys, for, for allowing us to exist as a team, because we wouldn't if not for you. But we'd still really appreciate some better accommodations. I'd respect that. I'd be on her side. But instead, we get lectures and speeches about equality. And when you come at me like that, it's a non-starter. Any discussion of equality is a non-starter. Men's and women's sports are not equal. will never be equal and should not be treated as equal. And the thing is, you might be mad. You might want to be mad at me for saying that. But you can't really be mad because you're not watching it either. So you're, you're part of the problem. With all that said, 
I support women's sports. I want women's sports to continue to exist. And the greatest existential threat to the continued existence of women's sports is not a lack of workout equipment. It is rather, of course, the intrusion of males into those leagues. That's why I'm fighting to keep males out. Anyone who is not fighting for that or is instead actively fighting to get men into these sports can't pretend to be upset about unequal accommodations. When you get your way, women's sports won't exist at all. That's the real threat. And it stems from the same confusion that leads people to be upset about girl basketball players not being treated the same as guy basketball players. The confusion is in the belief that men and women are the same, interchangeable, not different in any significant or fundamental way. But they are different. They are not the same. They are not equal, as equal means same. And that's why the women's basketball tournament isn't owed the same treatment or the same accommodations. But it's also why women athletes are owed the basic protection of keeping men out of their sports. And that's how this all breaks down. And those who don't understand that are canceled. I guess I also said at the top that the whole women's tournament is canceled. That may be a bit harsh on second thought, you know, also kind of redundant. Nobody's watching it anyway. And far be it for me to cancel something that I just learned existed five seconds ago. So instead, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the cancellation more broad than that. That's another favor that I will do for the ladies. You're welcome. And we'll leave it there for the day and the week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. 